one, two, one, two, check it out, check it out. The blue collar boys are in the house. Thank you for listening all the time. That's why I had to spit this funky rhyme. Today we interview Pastor Pierre Lewis. So let me stop rapping and let's get to this. That was oh a God. that was a mic drop, Al. That noise you heard was a mic drop. <laughs> well, the reason why I did, did this, I did this with a pastor, Pierre Lewis. You just took welcome. The, you just took the hip out of hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show, Pastor Anthony Pierre Lewis. Thank you for having me. Think, uh, that intro was definitely amazing. It wasn't it. Well, no, yes. the re- the, I did that specifically for you because here's why. Because I've heard that you're old school hip hop rap guy. I, and you're I originally from New York, where it all yes. originated. Yes. So that's why I did it. Thank you. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. It depends what it is. Okay. Nothing that is, is too bad. I want you to rate that on a scale of 1 to 10. But before you do, before you do, <laughs> okay. I want you to grade me on a curve. And what I mean by that, take into consideration, oh, Al, please, take into consideration that I am a 50-year-old white male from the Bronx. Uh-huh. Okay, so how about one to scale of one to ten? One to ten. Ten will be extremely generous. Okay. So we'll go nine. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Very good. Hey, Al. You truly are a kind man. <laughs> he is a man of God. He is. But, uh, Al, it seems, to, seems that everyone that comes on this podcast recognizes talent, and you seem to not recognize talent. What's uh, going on? Yeah, I, 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 I'm lost for words. I don't know. Oh, well, I, don't know. I guess... A nine? <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're great. That's, one, that's a steep curve. <laughs> I don't need that paper anymore. So anyway, so Pastor Anthony, you grew up in New York. Whereabouts? Uh, right in Manhattan. Right in the Midtown. city. Right, right in, in Manhattan. City. How was that? Now, uh, that was like the 70s, 80s? Because I know we're about the same age. Yeah, I was born in, born in 71, so mm-hmm. I kind of grew up... Uh, you know, in the 80s, 90s, um, right in the city. Um, it's definitely, uh, growing up in New York, uh, to me, there's, there's no other place on the planet yeah. like New York. Um, but it was it was definitely an amazing experience. Still is when, when I go back home, mm. you know, to visit family and stuff. Yeah, so um, I read a little bit about your, your bio, and um, it said that you were introduced to the fast life, as you call that, at age 16. Yeah. So what did the fast life consist of well one of the things uh growing up in new york uh they consider new york a fast city Mm. you know the the city that never sleeps and um the fast life uh for us um growing up would be um you know just knowing the streets at an early age um knowing how to how to work the streets how to you know basically hustle wheel and deal um you know just really live a lifestyle that um that the average 16 year old in those days, um, you know, was, was, it was, it was the norm. Mm-hmm. Now, did you get into any type of drugs, crime or anything like that? Is, is get involved with that? Yeah, we did a lot of, uh, clubbing early, mm-hmm. um, early in, in our, in our years, you were, you had to be 18, you know, to get into clubs and we were getting into clubs, 16 years old, 17 years old, uh, couple of guys in our neighborhood had a lot of connections so we would be able to get into the clubs at an early age so with that you know comes alcohol Mm. um you know and so uh you know we drank a lot at an early age uh in the 80s uh ecstasy hit the scene and um so you know because we were in the club scene 
you know, we were, we were popping, you know, half a pill of ecstasy mm -hmm. at early ages. I think I was a sophomore in high school. That would be like 1987. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we were doing acid and ecstasy at an early age. And it wasn't something that, that we did, you know, Monday through Thursday. It was just really Friday, Saturday. And if we went out to a club on Sunday, um, you know, we would drink and, uh, you know, pop e-pills. Mm. All right. Well, um, let me ask you this. And this is going back to the rap. Mm -hmm. Okay, because I can't let go of it. <laughs> In your opinion, I know it's kind of backtracking a little bit, but I forgot to ask you this. Who is the best rapper or rap group ever? In my opinion, um, I would have to, I got top five. But All right, let's I, hear it. I would have to put LL Cool J as number one. I'd All put right. KRS there. Uh, I'd put Rakim there. Um, I put Cool G Rap there, and because um, I'm old school, so yeah. when it comes to the top five, it has to be the pioneers. Right, and um, and I have Ice Cube there. Oh, Ice Cube, uh, no Run DMC. That's what I was gonna say. As <laughs> a group, DMC. Run DMC, okay, but as okay. an indi individual, all rapper. these guys are individuals. Yeah, all right, yeah. Because I was like, for me, it was uh, Run DMC. I always like, I liked LL. Um, Eric B and Rakim, absolutely. Yes. And Public Enemy was a, Public was a Enemy. big fan of Public yep. Enemy. So, I mean, we're, we're about the same age. You just turned 50 a couple months ago, I believe. In June. In June. Did, yes. I'm turning 50 in September. Oh, wow. So, Al's oh, yeah. a youngster. How, what are you, like, uh, 40? Not even close. 47. Oh. Yeah. You look 57. I look about you. 80. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you did, so you were, you were drinking, you were, you were taking ecstasy, mm -hmm. clubbing, um, getting all kinds of things in New York. So it said that you, you know, for about what the 13 years, you were pretty much in that life, and then something changed. Yeah, I was. I was um, really in that life. Um, it almost came with with the city life, mm -hmm. and um, you know, uh, we'd walk out of the doors and walk back home. Back home, and you know, our parents never knew any of that stuff. I mean, they knew we went clubbing and all that, but they didn't know that. Um, you know what we were what were we involved in um mm. so our, our neighborhood um we grew up in a neighborhood where we actually we had um some some like real rappers there okay and so we were we you know a lot of these other rappers would come come to our neighborhood so we we were kind of immersed in the hip hop generation mm. so that went that went along all through high school um and then I left I graduated high school and uh, one of my closest friends um, ended up uh, doing Fed time, okay. and uh, he went in a month before I left for college, mm. and um, so a lot of the guys in the neighborhood started started going down, and um, this one particular guy he went in, and um, and I left for college right after that. So while I was in college up in Boston, um, he was doing uh, you know federal time in upstate New York. Um, even when I went to college, right before I went to college, I was a senior in high school, and um, you know it was May Memorial Day. My mother had passed away from cancer, mm. and so I went to college carrying that. Mm. And um, what I know now, I didn't know then. I, I self-medicated big time um, while I was in college. Um, you know, uh, party life, um, alcohol again. You know, I was also in college. Uh, you know, um, taking acid. Oh, wow. um, so I did that and I was still functioning. I was playing basketball and all that. But, you know, what I know now is that I was really I was grieving and I was mm -hmm. using all that stuff to, um, you know, women and all that to, to really self-medicate the pain. Because my brother and sister stayed 
in New York with okay. my dad. And so they were able to go through that process together. All right. Yeah. But I, um, you know, I, I went off to Boston and went to school. And, um, yeah, so, you know, that, that whole part, being in college, even though I went through college, I still dealt with, you know, with a lot of in, uh, internal pain and stuff. Right. So they had the, each other the comfort to, to, to right. let every eye, and you were alone, you were away. Yeah. And then you were just filling that emptiness, that void with other things. Exactly. Women, alcohol, drugs, Were, were you religious, religious then, too? Or We grew up, We our family grew up um, uh, in the church, um, not, not in a born-again, a spirit-filled church. Um, we, we grew up uh, Catholic. And um, I, I have to say, um, growing up uh, in the in the Catholic Church, for me, um, gave me a good sense of right and wrong. So I knew I was doing wrong, because we were still going to church, yeah. and and um, and so uh, and so I, I think if I didn't have that, I went off the deep end. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't have that, I think I would have really, really went off the <clears throat> deep end because I knew. Uh, we go to church. My p- family, we, we grew up in a church. My father uh, came to the United States. He was from, he, uh, originally from Haiti, and he worked uh, at a Catholic church in Haiti. Oh. And he was able to get a visa because the, the home church was in the Bronx. And, um, and they took him, they brought him into the country, and he was working uh, in the Bronx, uh, at a church in the Bronx. So... Uh, you know, uh, I thank God <laughs> for my Catholic upbringing because yeah. I probably would have been uh, brought up in Haiti, and, and Haiti is a very, um, very poor country. Mm. And so we came here through the Catholic Church. So we were it was it was it was part of our life. We went to Catholic school. We went through um, all the you know the the classes, catechism classes, yep. everything. So I I knew right from wrong, and um, and uh, for me um, it brought it brought. I guess a sense of stability because I, I again I, I knew I was doing wrong, so I did have that that you know what I know now is conviction. Now, what age did you come over, over from Haiti? I was born and raised in Haiti. Oh. My father my father yeah. came uh, in Haiti in the sixties okay. during the civil rights movement. Um, he came from from Haiti into the United States, and then we all of all of his kids you know my my mother my mother and uh, came after, mm. but all the kids were born in New York. Oh, you were born in New York. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, as far as the Catholic Church, I was belonged to the Catholic Catholic Church as well, and I went away for a while. I think after you make your confirmation, you mm-hmm. you know you set sail, you go away. But even that, I know my mother used to always pray for me. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't go to church. She prayed for me, and I th- think that was like same thing with yeah. me. If I didn't have that original, somewhat oh, of a yeah. foundation, oh, yeah. I yep. might have yeah, just well, yeah. been off. You know, and not came back to yeah. the, to the faith. Even when I was off on my own, living in, in Massachusetts, the, the ironic thing is I still went to church. Okay. I would go to church on Sunday. I would find a local Catholic church, and I and I would go because that was already in me. It was it was, it was instilled still, in me. Yeah. And um, but I'd go to church, and then, you know, I go right back to life. <laughs> yeah. But but I you know I thank God that that I did have that as a foundation because only He knows where I'd be you know right now. Right. Right. So. Now, when you went to school in Boston, um, what school and what were you going to school for? I originally, I originally went to a, a junior college, and um, I, did, I went there. I was there for five years, a liberal arts major, and, um, and then I worked. Uh, I stayed in Boston. I never went back home. I stayed, and I worked at a place called the Perkins School for the Blind in Watertown, Massachusetts. I worked there for like nine years. 
uh, and then I went back to school, Mass Bay Community College. Mm -hmm. And while I was at Mass Bay, I did two years of the early childhood education, um, got a certificate there. The original school I went to was was Mount Ida um, in Newton, Mass. And so I went to Mount Ida, then went to Mass Bay Community College. And then from there, I I was still working at the Perkins School for the Blind. Mm -hmm. And um, and from there, I went to, uh, I ended up getting saved. And uh, that's when I went to Zion uh, Bible College for two years. Now, where is Zion located? Zion is in Barrington, but okay. it's no longer there. They're now located in Haverhill, Massachusetts, as North Point Bible College. Okay. Can I ask what you did at the School of the, the Blind, the Perkins School of the Blind? I worked there. I was first when I first worked there. I was a, a program aide, and so I worked with the with the the kids in the school um, second shift. So it was a lot of it was teaching them daily living skills. Um, you know, taking them out, taking them swimming at an indoor swimming thing. A lot of the kids there were special needs. Um, wow. Wow. So I was I was a, a aide there. And then I became an assistant house parent um, there. And then I became a house parent. That must have been so fulfilling. You know, you're helping people that couldn't hurt. You know, that's, in, yeah. that's pretty. It's probably one of the, one of the best best jobs I've had yeah. as, a, as a young adult, too. You right. know what I mean? Uh, and um, so even in those days, you think about um, – the money that we were making back then was a lot more than than average young adult, but you know it was definitely a, a good, fulfilling job. Right now, what was the uh, change? I mean, I know you said you you got saved. Was that the, the like the defining moment when you, you know, accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then you it turned around and you decided you wanted to go to to Zion? Is that was there something in between that, or is that yeah? Just... So so what had happened was. Um, I was I was living in 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 Boston still, and I and I I met I met uh, my daughter's uh, mother, um, and uh, ended up getting we got had my daughter, we got married, and then shortly after that I was going through a divorce, and um, and I had moved from uh, Boston to Rhode Island, so I really didn't know anybody at the time, so that was a journey that I kind of had to navigate hmm. on my own, and um, so I would take the city bus from Pawtucket. I was living in Pawtucket at the time, really didn't know anything. Hmm. Uh, and uh, so I was taking a city bus from Pawtucket to, uh, to East Providence to pick up my daughter and then take catch the same bus. I'd get, I'd catch the bus in the morning to downtown uh, Providence. From Providence, catch the East Providence bus, get off. The East Providence bus would loop around, so I'd get back on with the same bus driver <laughs> and, um, and then come right back down to downtown, get the bus to Pawtucket, and I would have my daughter for the day. And I did that, um, I think it was three days a week because we had joint custody. Um, but um, at that time, I didn't have um, overnights yet with her. And so I did that. And ironically, the bus driver was a, a born-again Christian. And, um, you know, he would share he would share the gospel with me because there was always times on a bus where I was just the only person on the bus. And I really didn't want to hear anything. And the, the, the funny thing is he and I, for years, we, we kind of joked about it. I would have... A headphones on <laughs> with the wire going into my pocket oh, and I no. never had a Walkman. <laughs> <laughs> never had a Walkman, just That's the headphones funny. with the hopes that he wouldn't uh, <laughs> he wouldn't talk to me. But he would talk and I just yeah. didn't want to be rude so I'd take the thing off and I'd listen to everything he had to say. Wow. So, I mean, that's great because, you know, we, we as, you know, disciples saved, we don't know, you know, a lot of times if he didn't, speak to you like that and continue to speak to yeah. you even though you were trying to tune him out yeah that i mean i'm sure god would have made a way with his way but that that led you or, or pushed you towards what you were you're doing now right yeah 
And um, he he uh, invited me to church. I he invited me to church and and he told me, hey, this, this is gonna be the last time you see me because they were changing his bus route. And um, and he gave me all the information, but you know, of course, I, I I didn't follow through. And about six months went by, and um, I was in the process of purchasing a car because I was still I was working in Boston. And so when I worked in Boston, I stayed in Boston. But then the days that I had my daughter, I didn't. I was my days off, so I came back and I stayed. I had an apartment in Rhode Island, and so um, I was finally gonna purchase a car, and I was in Kennedy Plaza. I mean, I can't remember as if it was yesterday. And I got on the bus, and he was a bus driver. Mm. This is six months later. Wow. Oh wow! And um, and he comes, he pulls up. I I you know I walk up. He gets out of his seat. All these people on the bus. And he just he cries and he he hugs me, and I mean this the bus is packed with downtown oh. <laughs> Candy Plaza, oh. first you know the first pickup everybody just gets on, and he says you know my wife and and I have been praying for you, wow. and he said I thought I'd never see you again. He goes how come you didn't come to church? And I said I explained the whole thing about trying to catch a bus on a Sunday and mm. you know all the excuses not to go and um, and I said you know I'm buying a, I'm picking up my car tomorrow. I said I'll, I'll be there. And he gave me the information again. And the, 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 the ironic thing is I did. I, I drove out on a Sunday, drove up and down Mineral Spring Avenue, mm. could not find a church, and I went home. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's and so, so is that the church you go to now? Or it's the it? church I go to now. And oh, so what okay. happened was uh, I called the church on a Monday. And, um, you know, I said somebody invited me to church, but I couldn't find the church. And they told me, everything, all the landmarks. When you get to this place, when you get to this place, see Luca music on your left, take a yeah, right. Yeah. And I did that the following Sunday. And um, and when I pulled up, went into the church building, uh, his name is Mike Pelletier. He never told me he, he played the trumpet on the worship team. Okay. He just invited me to church. And, um, and when I got there, you know, I got there early and uh, that was it. That was almost 22 years ago. Mm. And that, that set the stage pretty much for your decision to go to the Bible college, college and become a pastor, is it? Yeah, what happened was I, w- I was coming to church, and um, every time I went, it was like every message I heard was like tailor-made for me. And uh, at the time, uh, the, the, the pastor, the, the, uh, the lead, the founding pastor, his name was Pat Manzo, and um, you know he would preach, and I'm like, man, how does this guy know? What's going on in my life? Like it was yeah. just so, it was just so accurate as if he was sitting in my living room, you know. <laughs> it was and um, right to you. Yeah, and and so um, uh, months go by, and Pastor Paul Conway, who was a youth pastor at the time, he preached the message entitled "The Cross," and he built a cross while he preached the message. Wow! And um, and he he did a monologue from the from the position of the person that built the cross uh, that Jesus was going to die on. And he was chopping away, chopping away, and I'm sitting there, and he's and he's he's talking about you know a man that's that's gonna uh, be nailed to the cross and he's gonna die and he did nothing wrong and did this whole monologue and when he was done there was a cross that was built and he had all these nails he had a carpenter's uh, pouch and he threw all the nails on the ground and he was walking around the church and he said you know he he's gonna die and and it's your fault it's your fault it's your fault and when he pointed at me something inside just cracked mm. and I just started crying and crying and he didn't even give an altar call. I was mm. just there crying. And he said, um, you know, uh, and I, he said, if, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior, 
repent of your sins. And, you know, he went through the whole thing. He said, come up here and get a nail. Um, so I went up there and I got a nail and it's like time froze. And, um, I was just up there crying. I couldn't even like, like muster words because like I knew the lifestyle that I lived. Mm. And then I just couldn't understand how God would love me so much that he would forgive me for, for everything that I did. I mean, like, you know, the rap sheet was bad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and, um, and so it was, it was, it was a day that I, I'll never forget, you know? Um, and so, um, I, to this day, I still have the nail. I have the nail and, um, you know, Paul Conway, uh, he's, he's the senior pastor of Lowell Assembly of God. And he was a youth pastor at, at our church now, uh, which is called Restoration Church. But at the time it was North Providence Assembly of God. And, um, you know, I was going there for, for a while. Uh, then I started helping out in the youth ministry. And it was then that Pastor Manzo said, well, why don't you uh, go to Bible college? And I just, I mean... The pastor suggested it, so I just did it, yeah, you know? Right. So it wasn't something that that I aspired to do. Um, you know, I guess it was something that, that he saw in me. Right. So you went there, and now you said that was a two-year two year program? I went there for two years because I was working at a counseling center as a case manager, right. and um, they would do tuition reimbursement. And, uh, and so I took all, like, pastoral counseling, counseling youth, counseling kids. I took all those classes. But I remember going to the uh, the HR office and I had, you know, the paperwork for the Bible college and I gave it to them and they said, "Oh, I'm sorry, we don't we don't do tuition reimbursement, you know, for for seminary or Bible school." And I said, "But look at my classes." And because my supervisor said they're counseling classes, so there's a chance that they'll pay for it. And when they looked at the class, they said, "Oh, absolutely, we can we can." You know, oh, wow. we can do that because it was all counseling geared toward what geared you were toward, doing. Yeah, and so um, I took all those counseling classes that Zion had to offer because it was tuition reimbursement involved in it. Oh, nice. So you uh, graduated. Um, now, when you graduate, you automatically become a pastor. Is that is that how that works? I don't. No, uh, even even with that, I um, you know, I just went to Bible college, did all those classes, mm -hmm. um, and Pastor Manzo was transitioning out. Um, he had done 25 years at the church and, um, a new pastor was coming in at the time. We just didn't know who, who it was going to be. And so, um, uh, prior to him transitioning out, uh, you know, he, he spoke to myself, uh, Dr. Caparelli, Mike Caparelli, mm -hmm. and there was another gentleman by the name of Louis Riccio. Uh, the three of us were doing ministry at the church. And, um, and so, uh, all three of us had a desire to move, you know, move to the next step. And so because we were under him for so long, um, you know, I, I asked him, I said, you know, what, what do you think about, you know, um, you know, move, me moving to the next step? And he said, well, let's do the paperwork because I, I would have to get a referral and all that. And so so that's how that's how it all happened. And did you react? No, no, no. Oh, OK. Um, now, you are a affiliated with uh, Teen Challenge. Yes. Um, Brockton. Um, what is your position now? Well, I was affiliated with Brockton. Oh, you're not affiliated with Brockton <laughs> I, anyway. I'm still affiliated with Teen Challenge, but as of June, uh, I transitioned to Teen Challenge Greater Boston, uh, um, which is located in Worcester. Okay. Um, so I was in Brockton for, a, for five years, a little over five years, and um, uh, I recently got promoted. I was there. I was the resident life supervisor there, mm -hmm. and I dealt with everything that had to do with the resident's life, spiritually, mm -hmm. um, academically, um, through the counseling, 
I oversaw the admissions department and the family reunification. But I recently got com uh, promoted to the Worcester Center as the uh, associate director there. Well, congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. So um, how did you get affiliated with them in the first place? How did you get to get a job with them? So Teen Challenge has always been uh, connected to our church. Uh, the Women's Home in Providence was connected to, uh, to our church, Restoration Church, for the, from, for, from its existence. And so I always knew about Teen Challenge. Um, and then um, when I came, uh, came on board with Teen Challenge, the current president of Teen Challenge, New England and New Jersey, which is uh, consists of Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire, Brockton, Boston, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and New Jersey. Um, the president of Teen Challenge, New England and New Jersey, it happens to be Pat Manzo, oh, who wow. was my first pastor Connect at North Talk Providence. Talk about connections, right? <laughs> yeah. Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so he's he's the current president of uh, Teen Challenge, New England, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So... Um, could you tell our audience a little bit more about Teen Challenge if they're not familiar with it? Yeah, Teen Challenge is a 15-month uh, Christ-centered discipleship program. It's a place where men, uh, in particular the center I work at, and women can come and um, really find total freedom uh, from a life of you know drugs, alcohol, any life-controlling issue. Uh, Teen Challenge is a 15-month program. It's a long-term program. It's broken up in five phases. Um, each phase is a three-month uh, window. The best way I could explain it would be like, you know, if a person has their freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, and senior year in high school, mm. well, you go through those stages at Teen Challenge. And so every three months, you're working on a different syllabus. Uh, and in that entails um, a, a tailor-made syllabus for the individual that comes into the program. So if somebody comes into the program and they've been dealing with, you know, uh, sexual, sexually abused as a kid or anything like that. Um, after meeting with them and talking to them and getting their history, the, their, their, their work, their academic work is based on that. Um, we believe that um, a lot of the addiction uh, is, um, you know, could be self-medicating, pain and hurt um, that's never been dealt with. And so when a person comes to Teen Challenge, uh, you know, we believe that the, the Holy Spirit deals with the root, deep-rooted issues. And so, um, and so, uh, all those things come up when a person's in a program. And because we have, we have counselors, we have you know ministers there, we have um, you know groups and all that stuff going on. They're able to to deal with those deep rooted uh, issues, um, which really leads to to substance use because somebody's covering up some sort of pain or hurt that they're going through. Now, if they if they do have like say a. Uh, um a drug problem is it do they give them the proper medication to get off of it or is it like a? I mean how does that work well teen challenge um it originally um it was it was really uh cold turkey so people okay. would come from detox or they'd come from css programs which are short-term programs and then they come into the long-term program so teen challenge doesn't have a detox at all um and so uh and before a lot of uh, things like anxiety medications and things like that weren't weren't allowed, but there are certain ones that that a person can take uh, when they come into the program, and all that's approved uh, prior to them coming. So basically, before you get into the program, you have to be pretty much detoxed. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. So, um, what it, I mean, I would assume that's a very, very rewarding job, but also a very challenging job. Yes. What are some of the biggest challenges that you find with people coming in? 
The biggest challenge, I, I would say, um, I think the, the, the hardest thing about the job is uh, getting that phone call, getting the bad news. Uh, one, of the, one of the difficult things is when a person leaves the program um, and they leave the program prematurely. Mm. You know, I always give the guys an example of, of, of my daughter who was, uh, my youngest daughter was born a little, maybe like a month and a half to two months early. And so, you know, when a, when a child is born early, they're, they're premature, so they keep them in the NIC unit and they keep them protected from the outside elements. So I tell the guys when, when, when they come to Teen Challenge, they're not just like coming there, you know, coincidentally. You know, we believe that God is bringing them there. And so Teen Challenge is designed to be a 15-month program. Anything prior to that is premature. You know, they're leaving premature, right. not fully developed. Right. Same thing as, as, as a baby leaving, leaving the mother's womb early. And so um, we tell them that, and I, I use that illustration. I tell them, you know, you're putting yourself in a place where you're not protected. Um, all the outside elements of life can come at you because mm-hmm. every stage in the program is designed to deal with something specific. Just like every stage in, uh, you know, a baby's development is is designed specifically for the development of the, of the of the baby, and so you know the the hardest thing about the job is when you know somebody leaves, and you you're like man, you know it's he's like not ready to go. He's not ready to go, yeah. and then you find out that you know unfortunately they they had a fatal overdose or something like that. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. What what age group are they are you normally working with? It's called um, uh, Adult and Teen Challenge. It originally started for teenagers when David Wilkinson uh, founded the program uh, over 60 years ago, but now it's Adult Teen Challenge. And um, we're seeing people, I mean, it goes it goes anywhere from their 18 years old to, to the 50s. Um, oh, wow. When the young guys yeah. come in, you know, I told them, I said, listen, take advantage of it, you know, I'd rather us be out of business, yeah. You know, because there's no there's no issue. That would be the ultimate, yeah, you know, right. the ultimate things that we don't exist, um, but we do exist. And so when the guys come in at an early age, I tell them, I said, listen, you're, you're here. You're, I said, at, in your age, at 18, 19, 20, I wasn't thinking about getting my life right, mm-hmm. you know. But you're here. You're here to get your life right. You don't want to come back here in your 40s and your 50s, you know. You have a lot of life ahead of you. So we are seeing the ages get to that, you know, around that 20, that 20 round. Now, how would one come to get to Teen Challenge? Is there a specific route they would have to take or just? Yeah. So um, uh, Teen Challenge, we do a lot. It's uh, word of mouth is a big thing. Um, We do have a lot of connections with detox centers, short term programs. Um, And so a person would call. the center, or they'll call, you know, the uh, the um, the headquarters, and then the headquarters can funnel the, the, the phone call out. But they will call the program. Uh, they'll speak to the admissions coordinator. Admissions coordinator will explain the entire program to them, just so they know what they're getting into. Um, it's, it's a very very hard program, very hard, because um, you you finally have to face the man in the mirror, mm-hmm. and and um, when a person is used to running. You know, um, mm-hmm. and you know, they're not ready. A teen challenge. You know, you if you got to face the man in the mirror, you got to finally deal with some issues that you've been putting on the shelf for so long. So we do a lot of people leave early. I mean, it must be tough to mm-hmm. to yeah. face yourself in the mirror if you're not prepared. Yeah, you 
It is. We do get a lot of people that leave early, and um, be, be, yeah, because it's it's time, you know, and uh, it's not and just a, it's not just another program. And you're away from your family and the outside world for the most part, right? For the most part, yeah. yeah. And you know, until there's a blackout period for 30 days, and then after that, um, you know, they were able to you know call home, have visits, but it's really only approved people, uh, approved family members, and stuff like that. Um, but it really comes down to wanting wanting to change because you're ready to give up everything if you right. when you're sick and tired of doing the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you and those are the ones that really hang in there. Right now, as far as you know, you, know, you said that like if they leave early, they're not fully developed. Now, let's say like somebody there's you said five three months periods, right? The, yes. Um, yeah. Now, what if someone say somebody left on the twelfth month and there's three months to go? What does the last three months entail? Is, is it different for every person, or how does that work? Yeah, the, the, the last three months is called the transitional stage. Um, and so the transition plan that we, we put in place um, with Teen Challenge uh, for the residents is um, there's three things we want to make sure that they have uh, prior to leaving. Um, because Teen Challenge, um, you know, it, it is a faith-based organization, uh, when I was working in Brockton, the guys were in, in church Monday morning, Wednesday morning, Friday morning, Friday night, and then you go to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's five times a week. Yeah. Average person doesn't go to church right. two times a week, you know? Yeah, yeah, and right. so and then and then they're 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 academics. It's like going to Bible college. So they're like immersed in this thing. And so we want them to 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 make sure that there's a home church that they have. That's number one. Place of residency. And a place of employment. So that's your transition plan. And you also get um, a life coach who also helps you with the transition plan. So when a person leaves early, chances are they they don't have a transition plan right, in place. Right. So it's like now they, they're couch surfing. And with couch surfing comes the opportunity to get high because who are you going to couch surf with? Right. You know, your old friends, you know. So all these type of things, you know, uh, they, they, they miss out when, when they leave early. So they're not. So they're totally missing that transition period. Totally missing set it. Set up for right for the future for, for the future for success. Right. Right. So, what did you have? A, do you know like what the success rate is? Do you, do they keep track of that or? Pastor Brian Doobie, uh, he was he was a pastor on staff at Brockton. He he says this. He says Teen Challenge is one hundred percent successful with giving you Jesus Christ and the mm-hmm. tools that you need <laughs> to live a life free of any sort of life controlling issues. Mm. And so that's what, that's what I stand <laughs> on. We yeah, were yeah, 100% successful yeah. at that, but yeah. we do have the highest rate It's somewhere. Um, yeah, I don't have an accurate number, but it's definitely over 75%. So it's up to the person themselves to really. Write, yeah. Write, yeah. And then our, our numbers would be higher than any organization because teen challenge is, is nationwide and it's worldwide. Mm. So now you have, <laughs> Your numbers are, are, you know, they're bigger than everybody else's because there's so many teen challenges across the globe. So it's all over. I, I was just assumption that it was uh, East Coast, but it's all over the country. All, all over the, the country. World. I've been to Teen Challenge in the Netherlands. Uh, I've been oh, to Teen wow. Challenge in El Salvador, wow. in Malta, in That's Italy. Awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, we're worldwide. Yeah. That's really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was, I was, I assumed it was the northeast too. I knew, yeah, I thought, <laughs> no. I knew it was like down the northeast, northeast coast, but I wasn't aware of that. Wow, oh yeah, it's all over. If you, if you went on Teen Challenge USA website, you will see all the the Teen Challenges. And do you, do you know what year it, it was founded? Yeah, it was uh, a little over sixty years ago. 
uh, by David Wilkerson. Wow. Um, yeah, that's amazing yep. that he had that insight, that that foresight to to do this. And I'm sure that's how small it, it started. Yeah, like, it started off in Brooklyn. Office. He was he was originally from uh, Pennsylvania. God spoke to him to go to New York. There was a lot of gang violence going on, uh, so he got up and went there. And um, and you know went to make a change. Walked into a courthouse. Um, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on and, and, uh, and so it all started from there and, you know, years later, you know, here you have team challenge out of one man saying yes to God. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. All it takes is one person to say yes. That's it. It's amazing how that works. Yeah. I mean, cause that, I mean, if you think about it, <clears throat> I guess that's how God works. And, you know, he says he's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And yeah. he, he lights up one step at a time. And if you look at like a big chip picture, whether it's a ministry or starting a business, if you try to look too big, yeah. it gets overwhelming. Right. Yeah. But he just started with that one little spot that's it. and it just took off. And obviously we know that when God's behind you, there's nothing that, there's can, nothing, there's yeah. nothing can stop you. And that's, he, he's, here, um, at the same time, he opened up uh, um, Times Square Church in oh. New York City, which is it's a big church. Yeah, and so they did that, and they also started uh, the Brooklyn Teen Challenge. Nice. So I know that they do um, uh, like job training. Do they do like a lot of job training? What yep. type of things? Do we they have do? Uh, vocational trainings uh, in the program. <clears throat> so uh, you know, uh, the guys uh, that work in the kitchen, they're learning culinary arts. Uh, there's guys that work um, in our fundraising department, which they're putting together banquets and 5Ks. They're learning uh, things like um, customer service, um, you know, phone etiquette, you know, mm-hmm. things like that, um, you know, planning. Uh, there's guys that we have a carpenter shop uh, where we make these cutting boards. So guys are, are learning, um, you know, uh, woodworking, you know, how to, you know, cut wood and frame wood and all that stuff. Um, so there's a lot of things. we have. There's Brockton has a... Auto mechanics department. So there's guys that are wow. learning that. So so uh, in addition to the uh, the academics, there's everybody gets vocational training, and it rotates. So you get a feel for everything, and that way when you when you do leave, when you're working on your transitional plan, which is important because you get to work on that plan while you're in the program, in phase five. And so if a guy worked in the kitchen for a good amount of time. You know they're able to use a computer with the with the uh, life coach. Now they're looking for jobs, um, you know, at a, at a kitchen, maybe as a as a line chef or whatever, so forth and so on. So they do get vocational training. Now do they uh, get program. like a certificate? Is it like a certificate you program? Do. You do get it. You do get a certificate mm-hmm. um, for every uh, vocational thing that you complete while you're in the center. Now, is there like any type of? I know you said there was a, a setup plan, and is it like is it any like t- job recruitment? Is it is that in Massachusetts, uh, you have um, Mass Rehab, um, and Mass Rehab, uh, they're phenomenal when it comes to um, helping people uh, in the state of Massachusetts, um, you know, with job job training as well as school. Mm-hmm. So if a person successfully graduates Teen Challenge and their transition plan is, you know, together and stuff like that, Mass Rehab will come in and help them. Um, you know, I've seen guys, there was a guy that, that was in a program uh, he graduated last year, and, and they paid for him to go to truck driving school. Wow! He got his license. He had to come out of pocket maybe three hundred bucks. It was like five thousand, you know, three hundred dollars or something, and um, they covered five thousand of it. And wow. now he's driving, uh, and he still lives on campus in Brockton um, yeah. because he still felt like he needed to be within that community, have accountability, and things like that. 
Well, that's impressive. But that's money well spent from the, from the state's perspective. Because yeah. Because you turn yeah. a person who's a negative into a positive. Yeah. Right? I would think, you know. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So, no. I mean, the, the job, it's got to be so rewarding to you. I mean, to, to go to work every day and know that you're being fruitful and you're yeah. a part of that to helping people succeed. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I think if I... To be for me to be president of 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 the United States <clears throat> would be a down step. Yeah, <laughs> compared Definitely. compared to what I'm doing right yeah. now because uh, I'm right where God wants me to be, and um, you can't beat that. I think I have probably the best job because I I find myself um, you know when the guys come into the program, you know the best illustration I can give you is is a caterpillar, and so the guys come into the program and they're looking like caterpillars you know mm. and they're in this cocoon for for 15 months and their family gets to see the butterfly but we get to see the caterpillar in the cocoon being transformed and um you know i, I, I get to see that you know and i get to play a small part in, in what god is doing in their lives and so um yeah i i don't think i've you know, let me see, a little over five years of working there, I don't think I drove there saying to myself, ah, I got to go to work today. That's great. Yeah, I, I just love great. going there. But there's got to be, as, as, as much as it's rewarding, it must be, like you said, challenging and yeah. disappointing at times when people don't, when you see somebody who's a good person who, you know, mm -hmm. keeps falling off the, uh, yeah, you know, off out of the program, I would think it would be tough to see that. Yeah. Because I got, I got uh, 18 years sober and, uh, I was a drug addict for a long time, and uh, I used to see people that aren't ready, and they leave the they leave rehab early, and they always yeah it's yeah. A, it's so easy to fall back into old patterns, you know. And yeah. Your program sounds like it's really in depth as far as that. You need that though. You need to you do submit, yeah. You have to submerge yourself into a whole new world. A whole new yeah. You yeah. have to. Yeah. You have yeah. to. And it's that length of time was important, like you said too. And then you know going back not. Being in the same surroundings, be around the same people, right. to insulate yourself, you know, from yeah. that. because it's so easy to fall back into that same routine, that same crowd. But Easily. I think for that program, little by little, I think it works where they're most likely not going to. I mean, right. I know there's a right. there's a possibility, but through the time, through the program, through all the things that yeah. you instilled in them. And, you know, Jesus yep. is the whole foundation of everything. They get a very good success. Yes. And I think that's why you're, you do so well. Yeah. And, and um, you know, like you said earlier, um, you, your person has to be ready. Yeah. You know, um, we, we do our part. Um, they just got to be sick and tired of, of that lifestyle. Yep. You know, like, I mean, like anybody that, that, you know, has changed in their lives, they just get sick and tired of, of doing the same thing. And I think that accompanied with everything we have to offer a life is, is you know in christ a life is transformed right do you ever go back to your old neighborhood in new york <laughs> just to... oh all, all that's 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 my heart yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the time yeah yeah we're yeah. my fan i still have family that, li oh, that live wow. there and the the ironic thing is um is even even the people that i went to college with i'm not in touch with all of them but the ones that i'm still in touch with uh Everybody from the neighborhood, you know, everybody's older now, but we still, we still have like, you know, this group text going and, you know, ah. and so, uh, and, you know, I go home, but everybody was like, I, I saw that in you. Wow. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't That's see a good it, compliment. but they were like, for them, it was like, yeah, that, that was almost like, a, it was like, for them, it was like, yeah, we're not shocked. 
you know, you were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you were different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You hung out with us, but you were different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, but you know, that's 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 good too. And it was, I mean, even that, you know, you you bring that up. Um, uh, it was two things that I had asked God. Um, I said, you know, um, I just wanted two things. I wanted to be able to go back to Haiti. Um, you know, I not not go back like I was born there, but I always wanted to go to Haiti and do. Um, ministry work, and I, I wanted to go back home and and share the gospel. That was the only two things I, I ever asked for. And um, and I remember going to Haiti for the first time as a Christian. Uh, pastor Tony, who's the uh, the senior pastor of Restoration Church, um, which is the church that I attend now, uh, he was the person I went back with. Pastor Tony and Pastor Dave Schlopitz who was the youth pastor at the time, and he's now the senior pastor of Glad Tidings. Mm. So the Lord, uh, you know, he answered that prayer. And that was wow. one of the only things I asked for. And uh, I've gone to Haiti regularly, almost oh, nice. every year after that. I think since then, I've only, I haven't gone twice. And that was because of COVID last year. And then uh, two years before that, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't go. And the other thing, um, you know, I always wanted to go back to my old neighborhood and just, you know, uh, have the opportunity to share the gospel. And I had the whole thing painted out, you know, big tent revival yeah. and, you know, I'm coming back to preach and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, and have that opportunity. And, um, but, uh, it happened in, in, to me, the most unlikely way. Uh, my father had passed away, uh, I think seven years ago. And shortly after that, my brother passed away wasn't even a year and wow. and my brother passed away and him and my father they were like inseparable you know and um so i you know to this day we think that he you know he died of a broken heart mm, um yeah. because when my sister moved uh, moved out she got married she moved down to georgia i was stayed up here it was just my brother and my father because my mother had passed away like i said mm -hmm. uh back in uh 1990 and um and so I remember I was working at the church at the time and we had just got out of staff meeting and my phone was down in the office and I went downstairs and uh, I had a text message, a missed call and a text message from uh, my friend Ray, who was my brother's best friend. And he said, call me. And I'm like, man, this dude never texts me. Mm. You know, um, he always calls, but I had a missed call and a text. So I called him back and he was like, listen, I got a phone call from a police officer and he was like, um, you know, they were asking me questions that I can't answer. But they called him because he was my brother's best friend. So right. that was, you know, so they, that information was, must have been at the, uh, my brother's apartment or whatever. So I went upstairs and I told Pastor Tony, I spoke to the police officer because the police officer told me that, that my brother had passed away. And, um, you know, it was all natural causes and stuff. He had, he had some health issues. And, um, but, you know, my father was like, they had right. a, like a solid, solid relationship. And, um. So I was driving to New York to meet my two sisters. One was coming up from Georgia and one still lives in New York. And we had to go to the apartment. So we stopped, you know, I was driving to New York to my uncle's house. And, um, you know, I find we get to the funeral home, ended up using the same funeral home that we used for my father, you know, in less than a year. Wow. And, um, and my phone rings. And it was uh, Mike Caparelli, who's, who's Dr. Caparelli now. And, um, but I couldn't answer it because I was talking to the, uh, the funeral people. And so I listened to the message after, and he said, listen, you know, um, Tanisha told me what happened. You know, call me when you get a chance. He said, but he said this. He said, um, but I just want to let you know that God says you have a job to do. Mm. And at that point, I knew what the job was. Wow. 
because they offered to have a, a little after that like I stepped out to listen I come back in and you know my sister's still going through the whole thing she doesn't want to go downstairs to pick out the, the, the coffin so I go down there we come back upstairs and they say okay so we can have you know somebody come in and, and, and you know do the funeral and I said no I'm doing it and my sister looked at me was like are you serious and I said yeah she goes you're not going to be able to keep yourself together I said I'll get through it and him saying that reminded me of when I said, God, I only two things I want to do is go back home yes. to preach to all my friends. And sure enough, um, everybody from the neighborhood was at this funeral. And, it, you know, I just I, I just preached like I just preached a salvation message. And and um, and the 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 crazy thing is they, they all knew, you know, at that time that I was a pastor. But the private phone calls that came after. Mm-hmm. The, you know the private okay can you call me I'm, I, I'm having a hard time with in my marriage oh wow and none of this stuff happened before you know what I mean Every, you know all the guys that I grew up with at that point was re- reaching out because they were going through stuff and they needed somebody to talk to them wow yeah and so um, you know standing you know uh, in front of my brother's uh, coffin and preaching a message you know it just started a um, a ripple effect, but it was it wasn't on my to do list. Yeah, I mean, you know? God God opens doors, and you yeah. helped you helped more people than you originally thought you were gonna help. Yeah, sure. yep. absolutely. Wow. We think we have things planned our way, and God right. says, uh uh-uh, uh, yeah. we're doing it this we're way. And that when way. you when uh, Doctor Caparelli, who we have have had, has had on our show, um, said that to you, you have a job to do. It, yeah, it, it put you back in that perspective. It reminded me had Jaylon on the show. When his mother passed away, when he was in prison, okay, uh, he was you know obviously distraught, you know upset, and his his brother in Christ that was there um, reminded him. He goes, you know, you're still wearing your uniform. Put on your uniform mm. because you have a job to do. Yeah. So that's kind of brought me back to that. It's the same same situation, right? Yeah. He reminded you that even though you know this happened and yeah. you're this way. You know, you're you're still who you are. Yeah. And God needs to work through you. Yeah. So that, that's pretty. And easy. and he had no clue of the conversation I had with no. God, y- you know, years ago. Right. <laughs> you know, it's the Holy and, Spirit um, at work, right Holy there. Holy Spirit at work. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, see, uh, now, as far as you know, your your faith, you know, you put your faith faith into action every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I see you as a man of action and also a practical man. And yeah. The way you you view scripture and and everything, and I know I spoke to and I've, I told Al this story. I spoke to you. You you told us a story of um, a, a girl who worked with your wife um, about she was wanted to have an abortion. Yes. Um, and I know as far as we look at it, and you know, scripturally, and mm-hmm. what God doesn't want abortion. Yeah. You know, and and that's not what we want to do. Um, but you looked at it as a, a rational practical sense that I think a lot of us wouldn't look. We like to look at things black and white. Right. Right. And say, bad. Right. Don't do it. Right. You're going to hell. Whatever we would we would say, yeah. right? Not to say that's the case. Right. But we right, would we right. would put pressure on someone, and judge yeah. someone. But you had a v- different outlook on it. And if you could, you know, kind of tell that story. And yeah. I think it's good for believers, but also good for non believers to, to look at it from that perspective. Yeah. So um my wife came home uh, one time and she was she was uh, talking to me about a person that she worked with, and um, you know, the person was 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 in a relationship, and um, and then was kind of 
in a relationship and then started dating somebody else mm -hmm. and in the midst of uh dating somebody else and um the first relationship you know kind of broke off but the person that she was dating the second person um you know they they uh they ended up she ended up uh you know getting becoming pregnant um and then he chose to leave her and so here she is pregnant um and you know alone and you know in despair just hurt broken uh, she would talk to my wife at work and um and I, I remember you know my wife coming home and telling me that you know she's always ministering to her trying to encourage her and the girl had told her that that she was going to have an abortion and um and so uh my wife was like you know she knows kind of where i stand on you know on this I, you know i'm talking to her trying to encourage her and, and my wife is also like but i i i, I get her point mm -hmm. not that my wife agree with it mm -hmm. but she understands that when you're in that situation and i think i think we we need to be more compassionate and sensitive to realize that when people are in these situations they're thinking how can i do this by myself how can i do it financially you know they they're in their head they're in their emotions and they're alone they're broken they're hurt you know how could this guy leave me all these things are going through their head so the quick answer is let me just go through this process and so my my wife understood the the pain that her, that, that her coworker was was going through and she also you know stands firm on her on her faith and her belief um uh in, in regards to the, the the whole abortion um situation and so you know we talked and um and you know my wife really was was pushing her in a direction of of like having the baby the girl was like but how could i do this alone you know she's just lost she's like i can't do this alone i don't want to do this alone so as my wife and I are talking, I was like, you know what? I was like, let's do this with her. You know, I said, if she's saying she's alone, let's do this with her. Let's help her get health insurance. Let's help her get, you know, um, uh, food stamps. Let's let's throw a baby shower for her. Let's get her family's information and call all her friends. Let's do this because it's uh, to me, it's easy to say, don't have a baby. And then, I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> have the baby and then go about your life. But the person's still stuck. They're still Absolutely. stuck. But that's, you know? uh, Salah told me this story before. That's the, the, the best example of somebody uh, putting their faith, showing their faith. It's just rather than judging the girl and then right. you're like, that's it. I judge you. That's it. Yeah. You shouldn't do it. You actually put, like, it's like not put your money where your mouth is, but you put your faith where your mouth is. Yeah. You lived what you preached, and that's, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Not many people do that, but that's a. That's an incredible story. It, it going is going that extra mile, taking that extra step. Yeah, yeah and that's say. and that's and you know that was the whole thing. Was like, no, let's let's do this with her. You know, if you got to go to the doctor's appointment, you know, I can't go to the doctor's appointment with her. Right. You know, but if if you got to go, go with her. Like, let's let her know. Yeah, she knows we're Christians. She knows where we stand. But how much more of a testimony of the goodness of God um, that would be for us to walk this thing out with her, That's for sure. you know? And so, um, so I, yeah, I try to l always look at things from a whole another perspective, you know, um, because, you know, walking with somebody, you know, um, shows how much you really care and, and you love. Yeah. It's yeah. very easy to, you know, dump on the Bible, stand behind a pulpit, whatever, and, and judge or condemn or, or whatever the case may be. And we know we're not, we are not the judges. Um, 
And it, but it's to take that step, to take that time, to take that effort, and to show that's where you show love. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. And like when you told that story, I'm sitting there, I'm like trying to hold back my tears. You know, it's a men's <laughs> no, group. I'm trying not to cry. You know, but that's a heartwarming story for a yeah. lot of reasons. Yeah. And not only you, you just saved the girl from a life of uh, Regret, you know, all the med- all the mental anguish that that brings. I'm sure having yeah. uh, an abortion. You know, I don't really believe in abortion at all because we have that thing that's horrible. But I think that t- you you save that girl all that men- mental anguish. And, you know, rather than judging her and then saying, oh, you're a bad person now, and she does yeah. it, and now she deals with that. She, right. She, you know, yeah, you, you yeah. walked her down the path of yeah. Showed empathy, cool. compassion. Yeah. You know. And so as far as, you know, and I think that's a great story for believers because, you know, that's the things we're supposed to be doing, not pointing our fingers and judging. And it's a great story for non-believers because I think um, there's a lot of, non-believers and, and sometimes rightfully show, so mm-hmm. that see us as maybe hypocrites. Right. You know, right. and because just because of our actions. Right. Well, they say they're supposed to love, but they're doing this. They're supposed to yeah. be kind, but they're doing this. Yeah. You know, or they'll just judge me or preach to me. Right. But that's not what it's about. It's showing action. So in, in light of that, as far as the church as a whole, um, I know we could do better. Yeah. Um, what, do you, what are some of the things that that stand out for you as far as the church in, in the community and, and all of that. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's just kind of, um, look at, look at the, uh, maybe the abortion, the abortion conversation. Um, you know, you have teenagers and young adults, um, uh, especially, you know, teenagers. I remember I was, I was in East Providence. I was going to stop and shop. It was early in the morning and this guy had, had his car out and he was putting all these, these signs out. Oh, yeah. And um, he had bumper. I mean, his car was just covered with stickers about, about you know, uh, baby killing and abortion and this, that, the other. So I drove by him, and and then I came back, you know, and I parked my car. I got out and I walked over, and I said, "Hey, how you doing?" And he said, "Oh, I'm doing good." And I said, "Oh, I see you're gonna have a busy morning." He's right in front of the high school. <laughs> wow. And uh, I said, "You see, you're gonna have a busy morning." He goes, "Yeah, you gotta get the message out. God doesn't like this stuff." And um, and I said, "Well, let me, let me ask you this." I said. I said, do you think that the teenager that's walking into that high school, seeing all these signs that you have out there, I said, what do you th- think she's going to think about God? And he didn't even want to answer the question. He, his whole thing was, we got to let them know. Mm-hmm. I said, it's not how we do it, my friend. You know, and I, I, I think, I think um, you know, uh, uh, we do a great job at talking about what we're against. Um, but I always th- put the challenge on, like, how many of us are mentoring? How many of us are in the after-school centers? How many of us are in the high schools? Because when we're in those places and we're able to have an influence on those teenagers and young adults, and we're now we could speak into their lives. Right. You know what I mean? Now they want to hear, you know, that, there's, that there is, that they can do it, yeah. you know? Whether or not the person left them and they're by themselves, you can do it. There's, there's help that you can you can get from the you know, till you get yourself on the feet on your feet from the city and things like that. Um, but if you ask, where where are we? We're we're not in those places. We're not in the high schools. We're not in the after school centers. We're not in those places. We're we're in the church, you know, yeah. and we're, we're we're not even in the youth groups, you know. Um, you know, we're not in those places where teenagers are at. Um, because 
they're the ones that, that are making these decisions. Young adults are the ones that are making these decisions. You know, even there are adults doing them as well. But I mean, that's that generation, you know. Yeah. And um, and so if we're not there, you know, rubbing shoulders with them, um, then you're not going to see anything change. And that's not just with that. That's with everything. Mm-hmm. If we're not there talking to, you know, spending time around them, and they're learning that they could have a good time without alcohol. They could have a good time without weed. They could have a good time without drugs. If we're not there with them, showing them this stuff, you know, we're, we're not we're not going to gain ground. Yeah, if we're not there, somebody else is going to be there. Somebody else is going right? to be there. They're already there, you know? They're already there. They're already there. And, like, the, you know, we all know what a crazy world this is. And yeah. And all these social issues and injustices going yeah. around left and right. And it is time that we... Take a stand and, yeah. and step out of that church. Step out of step the church. Step out of that right. church and bring, you know, that like a tr- the church is is like a training ground, right? right? And and it's time to get out of that church and and take action like you did and with that girl. Yeah, so our, our Pastor you. Tony says it all the time. He says, you know, you know, he says we're an equipping church, and you know, he's giving you what you need to go out there, um, and you know, and you know, have mm. an impact. Right. Now that's that. What you did is definitely an impact. Absolutely. I mean, if, if every person that um, likes to judge a woman that's going to have an abortion stepped forward and said, "We'll help you take care of the child," maybe they wouldn't have the abortion. Right. Yeah, right. there'll be a sense of hope, like, "Wow, okay, I'm not alone." Absolutely. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's incredible. And it makes it makes you view things in a in a different, totally different. Absolutely. Light. Yeah. No doubt yeah. about it. When you can, especially someone who's going to step up and, and and take charge, you know, be with somebody. You know, right? For basically uh, yeah. a selfless, you know, you, you, it's a selfless act. You're helping another person, yeah, get through their life. It's pretty incredible. So, as far as you know, living, you know, your faith, and you also bring the word on a uh, radio station. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, uh, WBRU yes. 101.1, and you uh, bring the gospel every other Sunday. Every other Sunday. That's right. Yeah. And that's with the uh, original T.O., Terrell Osborne. <laughs> Terrell Osborne, Shout yeah. out. Um, so how did you end up with that gig? You just, just knowing him? And, I've known and, Terrell for yeah. a very long time. Um, my wife and I, uh, we, we oversaw um, a ministry called Underground 101, um, and that was actually done at our church. Um, and uh, the whole entire basement was turned into a train station, like a New York City train station. Mm. And um, it was it was a, the first Assembly of God hip hop church. Wow. And um, and so uh, and so we did that. Uh, Pastor Manzo um, was there, and then as he transitioned out, Pastor Tony, um, you know, um, you know, kept it going. Um, he felt. He felt uh, the need for it. Um, he felt God wanting us to continue to do it, so we kept on doing it. And um, and so, you know, with that came just like a unique style of, of preaching the gospel and reaching, you know, teenagers and young adults, um, you know, through through R and B and 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 uh, you know hip hop. And it was all you know it was all Christian. And so I know Terrell from that because uh, Terrell was doing something called First Friday. At Providence Assembly of God, and um, and so we've known, just been in that circle. And um, this past year, um, you know, I just felt that um, you know the Lord wanted me to, to go in that direction too, and and to, um, you know help him out on the radio station and you know bring the gospel. Right. So you can you can uh, 
hear that uh, on Sundays from is it six o'clock now? They six, moved it to six yeah, to like six, around six noon to time. Yep, six, six to twelve. 12. I know it was yeah. seven. It's funny because it's like. Um, you know, they have a secular show before that, for yeah. that. So it's like, you know, if you tune in a little early, you can hear um, Nicki Minaj fade yeah. into uh, a Kurt Franklin. It's yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and he ended up uh, just recently getting it to 12 o'clock. One of the things um, so he was sitting on on the committee there with the radio station and his whole thing was literally right after uh, WBRU comes on. Mm. Um you know, you still have the old school music, but right after it, you had like the modern rap, and you know, yeah. and, and so you were going from the the total extreme. Saying, right? it'd be, yeah, it'd be one thing to go from the gospel to the old school. Yeah, the little, you know, yeah, a little, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know yeah. get into it slowly, but, but then when you're talking yeah. about like, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's and so pretty... um, and so what what's happening is they had they had an open slot, so when there's an open slot, they'll just play. They'll just hit play and whatever, you know, and it'll just play. And so they, um, they said, well, why don't you just fill it in? And he said, oh, no problem. I'll, I'll fill it in. And so it, it covers that slot. And then the old school comes on right after. Yeah, it's funny because when you put that out that you were bringing the word, and I'm like, oh, wow, because I was actually listening. I wanted to hear some, like, gospel music. I yeah. was looking for some. But like, you, know, you, you listen to the K-Love, but yeah. sometimes you just want that gospel yeah, music. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So it kind of directed me that and I, yeah. I listen to it every Sunday and then you can listen to it on Wednesday on evenings Wednesday from evenings, 6 yeah. to 9 six and to nine. that's just on the app so on the, the, app, yep. the, the WBRU app they, people can get if they want to hear right. or they can tune in locally on 101.1 on correct and I know they just had a uh, I guess a, I don't know if we consider it a celebration get together at the at mm-hmm. the park for an, an emancipation day yeah. can you talk about that and um, you, you were you actually set it off right yeah. Um, so again, Terrell, Terrell um, oversaw that, and he asked me to, um, you know, to open up in prayer and to share something on, you know, emancipation. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I talked about uh, how Abraham Lincoln, um, you know, uh, did that, and um, you know, we thank God for that. That um, that you know, God will put it on somebody's heart, and they they would uh, stand during such a hostile time, and 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 you know, pen that out there, you right. know, and. Yeah. Um, and so just thinking about being in that scenario, being in his situation where he knew the right thing to do. And, um, you know, we thank God uh, for him doing doing that. And so yeah, I talked a little bit about that and then talked about, um, you know, uh, what he did. You know, he wrote that down so, so that the slaves can be free. But I talked about, like, true freedom, you know, mm. in addition to that comes through Christ because um, you could be free. Um, you know, in this United States and still be a slave to sin, right. you know, still be in bondage um, because of sin. And so, um, you know, tied the two together and um, and how Jesus truly sets you free. And, you know, also thank God for um, what Abraham Lincoln did. Right. So that's great. So Pastor Anthony Pierre Lewis, we thank you for being on. And the um, more stuff I hear you do, the, ba- the worse I feel you that we're taking up your time here. No, <laughs> you mentioned like you do this, you do this. I basically no, go to no, work and good. go to sleep. <laughs> you do a lot more than I do. Well, we're getting the word about uh, you know all the good things he's doing and yes, about Teen Challenge, which is important. Yes, and, yes. Uh, it's great what you're doing. Um, you know, in in the program at the church, you know, everyday life as you see what yeah. you, you did with the girl. So, you know, we just, I just appreciate you, appreciate what you, you do, and uh, keep it up. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for doing this. Yes. All right. MC Sal in the house. Don't you 
one too. Check it out, check it out. The blue collar boys are in the house. Thank you for listening all the time. That's why I had to spit this funky rhyme. Today we interview Pastor Peter Lewis. So let me stop rapping and let's get to this. nothing to do with this.